Welcome to the Grizzden Pod. Today, I'm your host, uh, not Will Walker, <laughs> Brantley Davidson. Shout out to Will. Uh, he was very upfront with us that Thursday would not work for him. I'm sure he's going to like some fancy dinner dinner somewhere in Memphis. But Ty Smith Sr. is here as well as at John Crafty. What up, guys? Happy to join. Love, yeah, love the host this, this time. <laughs> Ty, I, I've got a question for you. Is Russ back? Russ is the farthest thing from back. <laughs> Last night was, I think Kraft even texted this, that is what Russ looks like if he was in the G League. Just like <laughs> when, when Russ is in China in 2025, that is what it's going to look like. So... Let's just look for you less brick because then it'll try to get you thrown out of the game. Oh my god. He did which not is, miss a three last night. Apparently what that fan said that he tried to get thrown out of the game. He called him West Brick. That was oh, not gosh. just a fan, by the way. That was a part owner's son. I'm not gonna name names, but that's it was a highly regarded fan sitting courtside that got mm. thrown out. And uh, so breaking news source here. Uh, That's it. We won't, if you want to do further research and evaluation on that. But guys, we've got a packed episode. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies are currently uh, in the second, uh, second spot in the Western Conference, two games up on the Sacramento Kings. Um, currently, un- unfortunately, I, d- you know, I know Ty and I were both in the grindhouse last night and experienced one of six home losses. Uh, Katie and I, my wife and I, we went to the game. It was our last home game of the of the season pre-playoffs, and we were leaving. I was just like, I'm pretty sure that was the only home game I've, I've seen us lose this entire season because, again, we've only lost six games. Um, so it was a very weird feeling actually leaving the arena. I fully expected us to win knowing that we, even though we were still playing uh, – our G League starters with Luke Kennard or with Job, basically the entire game. Uh, we can talk about that later. Um, but uh, we've got six games left. Uh, most of you will be listening to this either, uh, hopefully, on your way to see the Grizzlies beat the Clippers um, at home on uh, Friday night, or you'll be listening to this over the weekend. Um, so there could be five games left, just depending on when you're tuning in. Um, but craft it's it's been a it's been a tough week without going into that stuff i'm going to let you start optimistic uh because i want that to set the stage a little bit for us you know there's been a lot of uh podcasts lately that are really trying to sort through the western conference and if big if if the grizzlies get talked about it's not very much and it seems to be overlooked and I, I want you to have the platform to talk about. Are we? Are we? Are the Grizzlies being overlooked right now? Uh, I do think they're being overlooked. But you know, it's funny because in the beginning and middle of the season, you get annoyed when they're overlooked on podcasts and people talk down about them. But this is actually the time of year where you're sort of okay with it because you want the sort of chip on your shoulder. Um, you know, Will talked about it on the last podcast how he was kind of 
Like he doesn't, but he does sort of want Jaron to come in second in Defensive Player of the Year, and he wants Ja to not make All-NBA, and Jenkins to not even get Coach of the Year votes and kind of have this sort of collective chip on the shoulder. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little there. I'm a little not there. I'm kind of back and forth. Uh, I'm a little frustrated when I see some other people on the All-NBA lists, uh, you know, that like have a, um, that aren't even, you know, in the play-in right now. I uh, won't name names. Um, Luka Doncic, other people like that. But – you know, it's it's what it is. Um, but I do think that I just keep going back to the the main thing that I the optimism I have, and we can get into all the different things, is what you just said, which is we've only experienced six losses at FedEx Forum. That I think almost five of the six you can kind of talk about. We've you know none of them we've had our full full cast of characters. Uh, right. They've all kind of have different little exceptions. Um, you know, all of them have some major asterisks to them. And so, and it just looking at it, we are the best home team. And the, if we end with the two seed, I do think that we can take some solace in the fact that that means we have home court advantage at least for two rounds. And then maybe, depending on if the Nuggets get to the finals, if we get the finals, we could potentially have home court advantage. And so that does mean that a team is going to have to come in and beat us uh, in, on our home floor. And so that, to me, is something that gives me great optimism. Also, obviously, the way we've been playing their offense uh, is seems to have uh, gotten better. We figured out some things, how to play without Stephen Adams and Brandon Clark. You're also hearing that Stephen Adams is starting to participate. Uh, there's some activity with Adams on the court. He's starting to work out some, starting to do some drills. So all those things lead me to a lot of optimism coming in, but I actually like that. I think Ty's talked about it, and so he can talk about it some more, but this sense of um, the kind of no-one-believes-in-us chip-on-the-shoulder team, we're, st- we're not getting all the hype uh, that I think even we got last year, and that and that while the Kings kind of get more of the they want to, everybody wants to play the Kings, there's just a lot of like, man, uh, all these you know big-name teams like the Lakers and the Warriors and the Clippers that have all these you know, Hall of Famers, they need to get on that side of the bracket with the Grizzlies and the Kings because that's, you know, they can avoid the Suns and the Nuggets. And I just find that very interesting and, uh, you know, bring it on is what I say. Bring it on if you want to get get that seven or six seed. Tell what do you think? Do you think we're being overlooked? I think it's an interesting thing. I think a lot of the off-court stuff being so negative has – bled into the on-court stuff a little bit, not necessarily from production, but from a perception, I would say, especially nationally. Like, when all this stuff happened with Ja, you had people calling for him to get – I think Jay Williams said he should get suspended for the rest of the year. Um, So you have people like that, like talking heads. I think Nick Wright said he was, quote, done, um, speaking about Ja. Um, So I think that is still fresh on a lot of people's minds. And I feel like there are other, like, buzzy teams right now, especially, like, if you look in the play-in race, like the Lakers are kind of trying to make that push. You have a lot of teams that nationally are are obviously more well-known than us, and they're now starting to kind of make a little bit of a push. So that's getting a lot of the, like, headway as far as, like, talking points and stuff like that. Like, the Kings are a huge talking point, obviously, because they made the playoffs, which is, you know, great for them. Um Kind of to Kraft's point, I feel like we this is a little bit of best-case scenario because we're the two-seed and we'll pretty much have home court most of the way. 
and we will probably be underdogs in most of the series we play, um, which usually doesn't line up. Um, so it's kind of an interesting, like, no one's really – I don't think anyone's really going to pick us to make it very far. Um, there's, like, Ryan Rosillo has mentioned multiple times, like, he could very well see us putting a stretch together and, like, making the West Finals. Um, there are definitely people out there that think that. I just think in this year's, you know, landscape of the West, it is just so chaotic and so crazy. I think a lot of people are just kind of grasping for the teams that they know versus the teams that may they may not know as far as, like, legit success in the playoffs. And we, you know, we won a round last year, took Golden State to six. No one talks about that. Everyone just talks about how the Warriors, you know, championship pedigreed us or whatever. But I think there's a lot of other teams like that. You know, everyone still loves to talk about the Clippers with you know, Kawhi and Paul George. They just love to talk about the stuff that's been a narrative for so long, and they just keep grasping for that. So I kind of love where we are, honestly. It's like me. It's long-winded. Sorry. Me and Will were talking about this on the way to the game yesterday. It's like if we weren't the two seed, I would be like if we were the five or six seed, I would be going into this playoffs being like, I can't wait to play whoever we're going to play. But the fact that we are the two seed kind of makes me like a little bit nervous because the expectations are higher. I don't know how y'all feel about that. Uh, Brantley, what do you think about that as far as expectations going in? What does that matter to you at all? Do you think that matters to the Grizz at all? I think expectation wise, it's like, I'm glad that to, to see this group uh, have another, shot at sort of feeling that type of pressure and uh and having the scenario match the moxie is the way i sort of think about it and because the moxie is not unmerited we are the two seed we've we've despite what some would think and we have we've fallen on our face at face at times and had you know some i would say a volatile culture season which has been atypical for this crew We've still come back and been able to have a little bit of restoration to the season. And and here's the thing is that one of the things that we, we talk about a lot on the pod is just the versatility of the team and being able to play different ways and depth. And that's obviously suffered with Brandon Clark's injury and Stephen Adams' injury. Um, you know, I, I've heard from a couple of different, you know, we're not going to source this, but that it's likely that Adams is going to be back in the first season. Supposedly he went overseas and got some uh, platelets, um, some platelet help uh, from, you know, our friends in Germany. And they got, they got uh, Stephen Adams of knees. Yeah. So, um, and that's for real. Like, I mean, I think that that's what evidently one does when they're trying to avoid surgery, which is what they're trying to do at the end of the season. But you can't, to me, like, this goes into a, a, a track that we were going to maybe address later, but it just feels like the right time now. And, and, and Kraft, I know you and Will have really talked a lot about this on the weekend pod, but you can't really address sort of the expectation right now ending this six-game stretch without acknowledging the narrative that everyone is still saying about us because they haven't watched the eight-game stretch without Ja because it, quote-unquote, probably wasn't as fun. But what happened during that stretch, and all true Grizz fans know, is that 
Our number four overall pick, Jaron Jackson Jr., became our offensive go-to. The Grizzlies went from, I think, the beginning, for basically the entire season, we were averaging, we were 22nd in the league um, in half-court offense. Uh, when Ja went out, and up until now, we're, we're around league average in half-court offense. Um, on top of that, on top of the Jaron thing, we talk about Luke Kennard. Luke Kennard is, with the Grizzlies, is averaging 52% from the field and 54% from three. So, both the emergence of Jaron during the eight-game stretch of Jaw's absence and the addition of Luke Kennard kind of hitting his stride and being a real threat in various scenarios, to me, I think are two storylines that are just not sexy to talk about. They're not getting picked up, and I sort of anticipate – uh, that being a thing that will happen early on in the playoff season where all of a sudden people, hopefully Jaron doesn't have foul trouble issues and they're going to catch that narrative of, man, this, he's really helping the half-court offense significantly. And uh, I, I'm curious to hear if, from, from your guys' perspective what you're sort of thinking in the Jaron Rise perspective because it's got to be something. It just feels like it's missed. No one's really noticed it. Rosillo has talked about it. I'm not surprised that people are missing it. But – that's where, at least from my perspective, the expectation, I think we're going to perform like a two seed because of some, we've, despite the injuries, we've been able to create different ways that we can play yeah. depending on who falls uh, to play us in the seven and, and, and that's in that seven slot. I mean, the thing that was just has thrown me and, and I can sort of get it and, you know, we'll see when we get to the playoffs, but like Zach, uh, someone like Zach Lowe, who I know watches games and keeps up with everything, him kind of dismissing us is basically without Adams and Brandon Clark, they're not going to get offensive rebounds. That's their whole thing. That's what makes them, you know, uh, because they're going to be good defensively. Everybody, you know, knows that if Jaron can stay on the floor and, and, and yet I look and the last 10 games, we are the most offensive efficient team in the NBA. And, you know, you can say we've played some, we played some pretty bad defensive teams and that's there, but that doesn't, I mean, that's, being the number one team over the last 10 games, that's a lot. Like, 10 games is a large sample size. Like, that's why we kind of do the predictions of the 10 games on the weekend. And the fact that we're the number one offensively efficient team the last 10 going into the playoffs, I just think it's hard for me to say, oh, well, they don't have Adams Brandon. Their entire offense is built on possessions and they can't do anything when we'll know we're somehow able to have an amazing offense for 10 games. And, and that's the kind of stuff that's just really surprising me. And, and I guess just people are looking at the schedule or just not paying attention that we've kind of found some things with, the, with like Bain and Kennard both in the game at the same time uh, and some other stuff that's just really interesting. And, uh, you know, I mean, we've always talked about if the Grizzlies shoot, they win. They, and they win um, in an amazing fashion. And I just feel like that's what we're seeing, that, that we've actually kind of found some shooting and we're actually beginning to pile together some wins. Yeah. Um, the other thing that just is noticeable on, on the Luke piece, because I know that y'all had talked about this some some craft, is that what's noticeable to me is just now he has found his stride, obviously, in the offense. And he was he had attempts in his first couple of games with us, but now the speed and the consistency at, at which he is looking to shoot first almost every time he's touching the ball over the past three to four games has really changed. Is there anything else besides just about his tie? And I'm throwing this to you. 
in on Luke sp- specifically where you've noticed about his game really evolving and fitting in well with this team? Yeah, I think so. There was a play last night where it was one of those lineups where it was four G leaguers and Kennard um, on the floor together, um, and like. Kennedy technically was like lead ball handler role, you know. So it was basically like, "Hey, Luke, let's uh, see what you can do here with basically by yourself." Um, and there was a there was a possession where he just got the ball like maybe at the top of the key, like top of the key towards the wing, something like that, and it was just cleared out. And Terrence Mann was guarding him one on one, who's considered like a pretty good defender. And Kennard just kind of shifted his way to the lane, got right by him, and like laid it up. Um, I think what we're seeing now that, you know, Luke hasn't done, and he's even mentioned this too, like when he got traded to us, he mentioned that, like, I knew the fit was going to be great just because of the way they play. Um, and when we when we picked him up, like a lot of Grizzlies people were saying, like, his on-ball stuff is better than what it's showing. His creation is better than what it's showing. Like I've referenced this to y'all. There was a game, it was a maybe the Orlando game, or it was a home game recently in the last couple of games, he drove the lane, did like this right-handed sling pass to Bain um, in the corner and immediately kept moving and like kept moving to get open. Um, and his man just like left him and Bain actually stepped out of bounds, but Bain kicked it back to him and he shot a three. So I think it's just like constant movement, like, volume shooter you got to know where he is at all times like he's not just like you know standing in the corners waiting to get the ball now he's like doing way more than that um so that's been really encouraging and his you know ability to handle ability to create off the dribble has been surprising too um he doesn't really get to the rim much but i honestly like him from 15 feet is probably just as good as everyone else at the rim um because his jumper's so good um, so that's, yeah, it's been encouraging, and I've, you know, I've, I'm sure most people have seen this stat, but with him and Bain on the floor together, our offense is in the 99th percentile in the league. And if you add Jaron to that two-man lineup to make it a three-man lineup of Kennard, Bain, and Jaron, it's actually in the 100th percentile of offenses in the league. Um, so that three-man combo, and honestly, if you think about it, since Jaw's been out, that's who's been – carrying the team right like those three guys and Tyus has been really good too um but those three guys are carrying the offense um I think I think Luke's been everything we could ever hoped he would be um so it's been awesome to see yeah I'm, I'm curious uh that I love all those Luke takes and and we sort of did gloss over a little bit of of what Jaron did um again these are things we previously discussed but they're just they're just reasons why I'm feeling a lot more optimistic about heading into a first round matchup just because I think we can do different things. You know, in in the nine games when Ja was out, Jaron was averaging 24 points. You know, his his season averages around 17. Now, the interesting thing when you look at the box score, you know, he wasn't street, he only had a couple, really only had two games where he was above two blocks. Um, So he was asked to carry a different load. And, you know, and, and I could see sort of his role shifting, you know, potentially based on need, but maybe maybe we don't have to. Kraft, what do you – do you expect in the playoffs to see um, 
you know, that emergence that we saw from, from Jaron, do you, do you expect us to see more kind of like go-to type offensive scenarios um, uh, for him? Or do you sort of think we'll sort of fall back in line based on, based on the roles that, we, that we've seen him the entire season? I mean, I really hope so. I mean, I, I've been encouraged. Uh, we've only gotten really uh, a few games here with John and Jaron together. I've been encouraged that Jaron's kind of taken a little bit of the Brandon rim-running role and uh, Jaws found him on a lot of alley-oops. I, I really like Jaron uh, doing that. But obviously the biggest has just been him getting the ball, making a quick decision, and taking it, especially against smaller players, just completely destroying them in the post. And, uh, you know, I still, like, again, he's 23. I still, you know, I get nervous when he puts the ball on the floor too much, uh, and, and, they're, and teams are trying to run doubles at him when he puts the ball on the floor. And he's got people have stolen the ball from him a little bit. Um, but I think that's one of the reasons why that lineup with Bain and, and Kennard are so good because those two guys, their man is not going to double Jared uh, if they're both on the floor. And so, uh, and so that's really interesting. I will say uh, I threw out Harrington threw out a stat today that I found very interesting, which was that going into the trade deadline, um, Jaron and, uh, and, and Dylan both had a 22% usage rate. And since the trade deadline, uh, Dylan has had a 16%, and Jaron has had a 28. So literally, the the six percentage points that Dylan that's, has gone down that's so significant has gone to Jaron. And I think that is, um, you know, and that's what I've always hoped. But and I think that is if that can continue, and the hope is with a full team. I know I know Dylan took a lot of shots last night, but again, it was Jaw Dylan. It's 24 three leaguers. <laughs> <laughs> but I That's think true. Whole, 24 is nothing for yeah, for yeah with a full roster if that can continue and Dylan can really put all of his effort onto the defensive side of the ball and just and be I mean that uh, you know the other night was like a perfect night that Hawks game I think he only took like five shots um, and, and so hopefully you know uh, that that continues because I think that is a key is that we're not uh that that it's not that Jaron being more aggressive is taking something away from Jaw. It's that him being more aggressive can take something away from some of our more inefficient players offensively, like Dylan. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up with y'all too, because Brantley, you were mentioning like this flexibility, and we can play a lot of different ways, um, especially if we get Stevo back. And let's just assume for a second that we do. Let's say he comes back for, you know, the first first round series. He's available and ready to go. I'm just going to – we're going to do this later, kind of draft a little bit of the teams. Brantley's going to tee that up. But I just wanted to run through it. Like, if you look – let's say we, we play the Clippers, right? So, like, they're probably going to play Zubach to some extent. Like, Adams can, can play that position. And then who's – like, who's guarding Jaron realistically, right? Like, Kawhi? Paul George, Nick Batum, like that's, you know, what's going on there? Let's go to the Warriors. Like we've already seen the Warriors try to play Kaminga on him and Jaron went off for like 36 or something like that. Like even Draymond can't really like great defenders still, but like Jaron can do a lot of things against Draymond too. Let's go to the next one. Minnesota, like if they're going to play Gobert and Towns, like is Towns going to try to guard Jaron? Like that's probably not going to go great for them. Um, let's look at the Lakers. Like, is AD, I guess, going to play the five? And Steve-O, like, what's going to happen there? Are they going to try to play, um, 
I uh, can't even – Vanderbilt against – that didn't go well against the Minnesota series last year. If you look at the Pels, like if Zion doesn't come back, like who are they guarding? I mean, who's – Larry Nance maybe playing with Valanciunas? Like everywhere you look down, the standings, like Jaron has a mismatch or at least is going to make a team change the way they play. Right, And in a playoff series, we saw that last year when we played Minnesota. Like It was a little shaky when we went away from something we have done the entire year. Um, so it's just encouraging, especially if we get Steve-O back. So that point, a part of that was like that really helps when we have him. Um, but Jaron will pretty much have some form of mismatch if he wants it. And to y'all's point, now it seems like he wants it. Right, like he's seeking that out. Yeah, and he hasn't maybe in the past. <clears throat> yeah, it's a it's a great uh, segue tie into um, some of the meat of our pod that I want to get into. So why don't we take a break uh, here from our sponsors, and um, we'll get right back to you. The biggest tournament in college basketball is underway, and the action is just getting started on DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any pregame Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if your team wins, plus combine multiple bets for a shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings will be featuring parlays and odds boosts all tournament long, so be sure to check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day to see what they have in store. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code TBPN. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on any pregame Moneyline bet and get $150 in bonus bets if your team wins only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Uh, well, all right, guys, um, uh, one of my th- favorite things around this time of year, I don't know if y'all do this, is like on the NBA app, I love that they have the playoff picture bracket thingy. Like, I don't even like look at the scores first. Right now in the Western Conference, it's like super fun just to pull that thing up and immediately see who's changed uh, in the various playing scenarios. And, and um, it almost changes every night between, you know, who's in certain spots. So um, what we wanted to do uh, to sort of start to get into playoff discussion, which it's crazy that we're already here, is actually list from uh, this from six to one, six being give me that team, I know we'll beat them, one being I really don't want to play them, and compare notes and have some discussion about each team. Uh, and so we'll sort of like kind of ping pong back and forth and let each person say who was on their list, and we'll just kind of muddy it up a little bit. Um, but I, I'm going to kick it over uh, to Ty Smith Sr. first. Um, and so I guess I'll say it real quickly. The eligible teams from six, uh, you know, six to one is basically Clippers, uh, Golden State, Minnesota, Lakers, um, and Pelicans and uh, Oklahoma City. So those are the six that we'll be discussing and ranking um, and having fun with for this discussion. Ty, who is the team that you would love to see get that seven spot? <clears throat> I, I think the team I'd love to see is the team least likely to get it, which is OKC. Um, so this is kind of cheating, but I'm going to take it off the, off the, the jump. Um, I think if you somewhat neutralize SGA, their team just doesn't really know what to do. And if Dylan's known to do one thing, he can do that. Um, again, they do not have a center, I don't believe, on their roster. 
um, goes okay. back to J. I don't really. I don't think they do. Poku. Um, oh, Poku. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think he's still in the G League assignment, actually. Oh. Um, he's not been playing. But uh, yeah, he hasn't been playing much. Um, but that would be. I mean, they may win a game or something like that at home. But I think that. I don't think that would be a crazy competitive series. What do y'all think about OKC? Is OKC your six too, Kraft? Yeah, I completely agree with that. They're the one I would like most. I was really mad. Uh, uh, I was probably one of the few weirdos who was watching that game, I think, um, that they lost the other night. The stupid Hornets beat another team, uh, you know, with the Mavs. But (laughs) I was hoping the Thunder would pull up. They they stupid lost to the – you know, because I'm I'm wanting Thunder to get up there because I – exactly for really – I mean, this is boring, but exactly for what Ty said. I think that we are we are very built. We are very much built to beat a small team that uh, has one player who dominates usage. I just think that's yeah, like that is the team for us to beat. And I know that they've given us some problems in the this year, a little bit some close games, but that is very much a they are a professional win team for us. And I think we know that. And I think we in a playoff series we would come out take them totally seriously play with super intensity and just really, I mean, that, that would be a for sure, like sweep, like you said, maybe, maybe five, maybe a gentleman's sweep, but I think that would be the, my favorite series to play. Yeah. We're chalk on this one. I'm going to be honest. I don't understand why the national narrative is just like losing it over OKC. I mean, like there's so much wish casting going on. I know SJ is having a great season, but it's so, there's so much hypocrisy in the national media talking about good, good, uh, you know, bad teams, good players, lots of points. I mean, I know the Oklahoma is, they're coached well and they've got decent players, but part of SGA's to me, his scoring, and I'm not trying to diminish him. He's a great player, but he's, he's not on a great team. And I, I don't know. I, I don't want to go off on OKC and have too much discussion. He's having a great year. He's obviously, you know, potentially all NBA consideration, whatever. Um, all right, so we all were the same. Hopefully, this will change up at some point. Craft, who's who's on? Who's number five for you? Uh, number five for me. Uh, there's two, um, and I, I feel like I need to be true to form. I, you know, I, you know, I, I Zion's probably not coming back. So, but he might. But I need to be true to form because the last time we were together, I called this team frauds. And nothing I've seen since then has not shown me that they're the most fraudulent team out there, and that is the Clippers. Give me the Clippers. Uh, I would love to see the Clippers. I think they're fraudulent. I think there's no way Paul George comes back for a first-round series. No chance. I think Kawhi uh, will choose, will like not play every game because he's Kawhi, and he'll just decide to sit out like a game three or something. Uh, and I just think, you know, d- despite last night, I mean, let's go this way. We played our G League team. We played Jaw, Kennard, and uh, our G League team, basically. We scored 132 points against that team. And it took them, it took Robert Covington and Russell Westbrook going 12 for 12, right? Did I have that right? 13 yeah. for 13, something like that? 12 and, for 12 from three. And it yeah. was still a close game. Like until the very end, and honestly, it, a lot of that was Jaw is still not in shape. He talked about the minutes, so he did not shoot well in the fourth quarter. Still had thirty six points. <clears throat> I don't, I don't see it. I mean, I might watch us. I mean, I just think I have full belief that we're going to beat them Friday, and I will take that team. I think that it's one of the only teams in the playoffs 
where I think we would have a lot of Grizzlies fans on the in games three and four against them. So I'm going to know. I know that's most people are going to think I'm crazy because they're right now they're the five seed, but I'll throw the Clippers out there. Ty, where did you have the Clippers on your list? They were probably middle of the pack. Um, what number? We're not doing middle of the pack. I want a number. So of those six, probably three. Three? Oh, you're um, Yeah. So okay. I do think that, yeah, almost dead center. Um, they, I don't know, man. Like I watched them last night and they, yeah, they just hit a ton of shots. And we were watching and it's just like our defense was really struggling because we couldn't keep anyone in, you know, Keep in front, so it was just like a one-drive yeah. kick. Yeah, right. it was shoot. really struggling to keep people in front of him. Yeah, it was just like one-drive kick, <laughs> shot, go in. And then when you look at our offensive, you know, our when we were on offense, they had like every guy on the Clippers had a foot in the paint, and Ja was just trying to create stuff. But every time he would cook it out, kick it out, it would be like a catch, pause, hesitation, let me dribble around a little bit, or just shoot it, and we would most likely miss. Um and they almost they pretty much have their full roster. If Kraft is, you know, I agree with him. If Paul George doesn't play, Kawhi's a huge deal, um, obviously. Uh, but I think we were missing more than they were last night. And I think home court will matter. And I think the Clippers' home court situation is pretty bad. Uh, will our very own Will went to a game against the Clippers in LA and said there was a lot of Jaw fans up in there. Um, so that'd be kind of cool to see too. Um, yeah, I had the Clippers fourth only just because yeah. the team that I'll talk about next on on fifth, um, I, I, I just respect a little less. And yeah, I want, I'm ready to hear it. Yeah, the, it's the Pels. That's the Pels. They're a poverty I almost put them <laughs> sixth um, and thought about putting and putting Oklahoma City ahead of them. Uh, but I, I just couldn't do that because that just would have been too takey. But I'll just say this about the Clippers is that they just, even at the game last night, just they just have a bunch of guys. And I'm just like, what a what a just sad situation for all those guys to be in. They have a lot of talent that just is, mm-hmm. I don't know, just nothing. Um, it would be, I mean, I know they have zero fans, um, but it just was, it just was a, I just forget how lame that team is, you know? Um, anyway, so we're not going to talk about them. But, yeah, New Orleans is fifth for me. Um, I, I'm just not worried about them. I, you know, I, I, I'm not worried about them even about if Zion comes back. Um, he, he He's going to be weighing 320, um, and that's not going to be an issue for us uh, guarding him um, when he's not in shape because we can guard him when he's in shape. And or when he was quasi in shape, but I, I just I just sort of think even a little bit of their run last year is fraudulent. They kind of got lucky and caught fire. Um, you know, their their scoring is gonna is just not gonna translate. I don't think. Um, and I would I would welcome I would welcome them to Memphis open arms, um, and maybe it could be fun to go to an away playoff game. Uh, I bet tickets would be cheap um, because that's not a basketball city and <laughs> nobody cares about that, that, that franchise down there. What do y'all think about ranking them fifth craft? I mean, that's, you know, I mean, like I said, I, I think I was trying to stay true to form uh, with, you know, I, I did not call the Pels frauds, but, uh, but also, you know, the media doesn't talk about the Pelicans, although they did for a while. 
Um, shout out uh, Kevin O'Connor and other people. But uh, but no, I mean, I think it's it's just it's like a weird, you know, the higher the usage Brandon Ingram goes, the more the L's pile up. Uh, they're just, uh, you know, it's it's a weird fit. Um, and I mean, outside of Trey Murphy, there's really not anybody on that team. I love love. Uh, and I think and I think we showed in the in the regular season that we kind of figured out a way to sort of contain Zion um, and, and you know, sure. score way more points than them for a win. I, that's, that's the way I feel about that. Um, Ty, where's new Orleans on your list? Same as you fifth. Um, they make our weaknesses way less weak is kind of the way I want to frame it. So if you look at, what would you say our biggest weakness is? Half-court offense, right? Like fourth-quarter offense, the game slows down. What do we always go to? Just kind of try to get John a switch and then go from there. We literally, that's all we would have to do against New Orleans is just John a switch, and then it's a basket one way or the other. Um, I remember one game this year, Kraft, you were mentioning it. We kept putting Trey Murphy in the pick and roll, and it ended up just being John and Trey Murphy. And Ja just, I mean, beat him to the rim. Literally, I think, four times in a row. And I think uh, Willie Green, like, had to either sub him out or just figure something else out. Their defensive scheme, they don't really they don't really have a lot they can do. Um, and if they have Zion back and they play him at the five, like, I still think that's, that's perfectly fine, right? Put Dylan on him. Um, let Jaron Rome be wherever he wants to be. Um, I just think we're better than them. Honestly, yeah. like you talked about talent with the Clippers. Top to bottom, Clippers might be more talented than we are, right? Like player for player, one through nine. The Pelicans, I don't I don't think so. Um, I think we're no more way. talented than they are, too. Poverty, to be in a division by themselves, poverty-ass southern, southeastern franchises. Okay, I think, <laughs> I, Ty, I think that maybe your uh, fourth – Seed hasn't been mentioned. Who do you got in your fourth That's slot? That's true. I'm going to go the Lakers here. Um, they make me a little nervous because it's the Lakers and LeBron um, and Anthony Davis, you know, Astrich. Um, I think push comes to shove, though. I think we, again, one through eight total. I think they have some guys that are being a little overhyped, obviously. Um, I don't think uh, – what's his name? That's getting all those free throws right now. I can't even think. Yeah, of you name. mean you don't think Austin Reeves should Austin win Reeves or like, get third team All NBA? I, I think Austin Reeves in a playoff series, people are going to be like, "Oh wait, yeah, this this is a little bit more like it." Um, I think Jared Vanderbilt in a playoff series, we've already proven to, to show what that looked like. They also had him guarding Ja, uh, one of the games we played against him, and it didn't go well. That's when he had twenty eight and a quarter. Um, I don't really think they have a lot of answers either. I think if they do play small and put AD at the five, I think we can still probably play Stevo. As crazy as that sounds, I think I don't think AD's crazy quick on his feet like he used to be. Like we've always talked about how he's kind of gained weight and stuff like that and gotten bigger. Um, I don't know. I, I'm going to go to the Lakers here. I just don't think they still have a ton of shooting. Um, they depend on like Dennis Schroeder a lot. Um, D'Lo is bound to make a terrible mistake every time they need a big a big moment. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go to the Lakers next. Kraft, where are the Lakers on your list? <clears throat> They're third, so with the Pels being four. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, so Lakers, I mean, I think for me the reason I have them one step above 
is that uh, I do. So part of it is the the possible factor that Stephen Adams Stephen Adams is not back or is not close to like what his normal level is. I do get a little nervous about Anthony Davis on the boards. Um, yeah. I do think that that's a bad matchup for Jaron at the five. Yeah. And I know we put Tillman on him, but I think Tillman also. I mean, you obviously we watched that game where Tillman guarded Anthony Davis really well, but Anthony Davis can still just turn around and shoot over him. Um, and so that would be a little bit nervous. I, I but I at the same time I I. I have very little faith that both Anthony Davis and LeBron James will play in every game of the series. I'm still waiting. I mean, I, I almost am shocked that LeBron's playing and, uh, you know, in, a, in almost like a nervous way. Like I'm nervous about him having some really horrible injury here soon mm. because I just – I'm surprised he's playing, honestly. And really the rest of the team's terrible. I mean, I actually love that they're going to give D'Angelo Russell a lot of playing time. I mean, we, we experienced that firsthand last Beautiful. year. And we love it. Yeah. Bring play yeah. D'Lo forty minutes a game, please. Um, yeah. And I just he I don't. They do. He would know, I do. I do think you know that they got more like Beasley Vander, but they they have some guys that are like better than they had, and so it is. And so I think they would. It would be a decent series. I think you would. You know, I think things like refing, and not to say that I, I'm not like some NBA conspiracy theorist. I just think. The Lakers, LeBron James. I just think LeBron knows how to work the refs, and I just a lot of that stuff. That's a that's you know. a real factor. There, I also man, I also like... Darvin Ham has no track record of making adjustments to playoffs. Um, you know that's the one thing the fraud team that I talked about the Clippers. That's the one thing I do give them is that Ty Lue's adjustments make me a little nervous. But uh, but I so I think you know but. So it, I still don't really fear them a ton, but but just they have LeBron, they have AD. I don't know where Stephen Adams is going to be. I get a little nervous about them killing us on the boards, getting a little bit of a ref advantage, like getting a couple games like we had last year with the T-Wolves that were like foul fests and people were shooting 30, 40 free throws. So that's why I'm third. But, you know, I still don't – I don't – I don't. they're not – they don't – I feel like they're, that's the big cutoff for me. And then the other two teams are a lot higher for me than those four. Yeah, I'll be honest. Like, I, I really struggled with with where to put the Lakers because, in one sense, like there really still is this. I I I tend to align with you too, Kraft. On like, I I just don't think that AD and LeBron could be healthy. But there's still it's just like a I don't know, man. Like, what if? I mean, LeBron and AD are enough uh, at times, you know, uh, in a playoff series. And I do think that as the game changes and the ref factor or something I've considered. I, I toyed with ch- switching them up, but I couldn't justify it. So they're third for me too. Um, I I would start to get, a, I'm going to, you know, seeing LA, the Lakers that is, um, you know, be the seventh seed with a healthy LeBron. I, I would start to get a little nervous and, and think that we might go into a longer series. I still feel like we'd come out on top um, just based on how we've played them this year. Um, and, and think we'd be a little bit more locked in. Um, I uh, I guess this is a little bit of self-reveal. I'll do my number two. Um, and I hope that we're going to disagree on this number two. But I have number two is Golden State. And um, mainly because I really am worried about Minnesota. This is more about Minnesota to me than it is about Golden State. Um, I... I I really struggled with this too because there is the like more of just I think the team knowing that hey this is our if if it's if Golden State's the seven somehow just the mentality of all right this is our chance to 
you know, take old Yeller out behind the pasture and, you know, put him down type scenario. Um, and Steph has been ridiculous. They still can't win really when he's been ridiculous. Um, and I'm sort of assuming that Wiggins isn't going to be back and that's just massive for them. It's massive for matchups with us too. Um, he was tremendous the whole playoffs last year, but he really got it going against us. I felt like, and, um, I, but I really honestly feel like we would bring it and, and win that se- win the series, assuming that Wiggins isn't there. I'm not worried about Kaminga at all. People keep on a wish casting him into being some amazing role player and he's improved, but he's, he's not as good as our, as our starters at all. Um, and pool is a turd and it, they really just seem to have issues holistically. Um, but I, I don't want to talk about Minnesota yet, but I will just say those, those are my thoughts on Golden State, and this ranking is more about what I think about Minnesota. Where do you guys have Golden State? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just piggyback off just your Kaminga point. I mean, Kaminga had the game of his life the last time he played uh, us, and we, we beat them pretty pretty easily. And that was – We also I, didn't I would guard be shocked him. if Kaminga – has like a 25-point game again um, against us. And so I feel like we already saw, oh, he has an amazing game. Well, we still beat the Warriors. So, yeah. yeah. I'll say this, uh, Kraft, because I, I feel like I know that I don't – I'm not going to disagree with Brantley, so Kraft, you might. So I'll, I'll, go, I'll go here. Um, I agree with you 100%. Um, a part of me makes me nervous for the, for the narrative and the, and the discord if the Warriors do, in fact, beat us like – I'm not going to want to get online in any way. Like, I'll open my Gmail and I'll be nervous that some, like, Warriors fan has got my Gmail account and sent me a bunch of, like, memes or something because their online presence is just awful. It's awful. It's just too strong. I, I didn't it. know you got Golden State Warriors spam mail in your Hotmail account. It's terrible, man. It's all over the place. They send me shirts and stuff. They have my address. Um, but, yeah, that would be slaying the giant in the best way. Um and I think that you're right. I think we would be geared up and just, like, ready to rock. Um, and that would be super fun, super fun series. It does make me very nervous. Um, but at the same time, it would, be, it would be worth it. It would be nervous in the fact that, like, we probably still wouldn't be, like, expected to win necessarily. Um, and I think you're right. I think we're kind of ready for, ready for – out for blood for that one. So that's why I say Warriors as well. Well, I mean, it's it's unfortunately it's going to be boring um, in that sense. Oh, that I can't believe this. Yes. So, uh, but and and I will I will say I'm very close on this. This is a very close one. So I almost just I I, I could be like I'm just not close. Cakey. I could shift it, but uh, but for me the big the big reasons why I'd rather see the Golden State Warriors and the T Wolves are. Um, I mean, I I go back to. I still think we were robbed last year of the real uh, Warriors Grizzlies series and not in having Jaw get injured and having Steven Adams not play the first few games. Uh, I feel like if we actually have close to our full team, and again, the Steven Adams situation is still out there, but I actually think the Warriors are one of the teams that I actually, we've shown we can beat them at home without Steven Adams. And, and so I feel pretty confident about that there. Um, and I just, I, you know, I keep hearing that like every, you know, the Golden State Warriors have won like 20 stri- 25 straight playoff series, winning a game on the road, so they don't fear any road. Well, one, that this team, like I get it, I get the pedigree stuff, but this team is going to have the worst road record 
of all time of a defending champion. It's going to be one of the worst records ever on the road coming into the playoffs. Like, they do not have, like, Otto Porter and, uh, you know, so many others are not walking through the door. Like, their bench is terrible. I do think that if we're going to play the Warriors uh, in the first round, I do think we'll get either – we'll not get Wiggins or we'll get a diminished Wiggins who's trying to play himself back. Uh, you know, and I just think we we have them. And, and the biggest thing to me is just the they beat us last year. We are there's no doubt to me we are going to play as hard as possible, as intense as possible, and give our best effort. Um, and and so the only drawback to playing the Warriors for me, uh, and the only thing that made me want to put them one is what you're talking about, which is just the in my mind one percent chance that we might lose to them. And how horrible that would be and how sad that would be. And I would have to like delete just Twitter completely. And, uh, but that's the one thing, but I, I feel the same way. I just think I've always thought we had their number. I think they sneaked in a title last year because Ja got injured and Adams had COVID and, uh, which by the way, I'm really going to be excited about hopping on that take uh, here shortly. Um, when they flame out of the playoffs, but the, but the Warriors are still number two for me. Well, let's let's dig in then, to, uh, since we're so boring and we obviously we did not collude before this to align. Essentially, let's all talk about Minnesota and why none of us want to face them in the first round. Tom Which ensures we're going to face them, by the way. Unfortunately, probably. I know. I know. Ty, what's what? Tell us. Give give us your thoughts. Uh, yeah, I think it's a little bit of the the opposite of us in golden state, right? Like we're on the other end of the, of the spectrum. Um, if we play the wolves, you know, that the wolves, like they're going to be just so ready to come at our throats. Um, it makes me feel great that they have Rudy Gobert and are going to be forced to play him most likely. So that's going to be awesome having him on the floor. Um, but like as much as I can't stand cat, like the dude can hit some big shots um, he's a really good offensive player. He's awful on defense, but they have a lot of other really good individual defenders. Um, they defended Ja crazy well last year. Obviously, we all know that. Bain went nuts, and they've probably – Chris Finch, I think, is a really good coach. I'm sure they would come in with a different tactic on how to handle that. Um, I just think they're really good, and we Brantley and I actually talked about this last night at the game. It feels like the Wolves are just, like, really hitting their stride right now. Um, like everything's coming together. I know they lost last night at Phoenix, um, but before that they beat the Warriors on the road. Um, they beat Sacramento on the road. Um, they've been playing some really good basketball. Anthony Edwards terrifies me. Uh, Jaden McDaniels is really good now and now can all of a sudden like kind of create some offense and shoot a little bit. Kyle Anderson terrifies me in a playoff series when he didn't have to shoot and he doesn't have to shoot for them. He just does all the other things. Conley's terrifying like he was literally cap I think they nicknamed him Captain Clutch when he was in Memphis like the dude is born for big moments he always like kept his composure um, and that's what we were able to take advantage of last year like D'Lo would just panic and make some dumb decision right like they just had guys that didn't know what they were doing um, and I feel like now that is not necessarily the case as much I think there's still a little bit of that um, I think they're a really good team um and I think they match up with us pretty well. And I think they would probably be, like, not afraid to play us in a series. So, All right. So, 
for this last one, I want each of you to tell me, like, how probable do you think we beat it is we beat them in a first round seven game series? What's what's the percentage chance tie you'd put on it? I'm going to say 55-45 that we win it. Um, just a little more than a toss up. I could easily see it going seven. All right, Kraft, tell me tell me your thoughts on the on the Wolves. Um, I mean, actually, I mean, I think Ty did a great job there. I think, uh, you know, part of it is just Thanks, the emotions buddy. of cheering against. <laughs> I mean, I, you covered you covered all the major points. I mean, I, I just think cheering against Kyle and Conley just sucks. Uh, like, just on a pure, just emotional level, I would hate to have to uh, play them and just be nervous for them and hope that, you know, uh, and for some reason Kyle seems to hit threes against us, which is annoying. Yeah. Uh, but – but yeah, I mean, I just think you never want to play the team you beat last year again. And let you know, of course. Then if we beat them this year, then I would be like, oh, now we have their number. You know, like it's like it's this weird thing where you beat a team once, you don't want to play them again. But then if you can beat them a couple times, then it's like, oh, you have an edge against them. Uh, and so maybe that's where we'll get. But uh, but that's where you know, I think just the worrisomeness of just yeah, like Cat can really play well offensively. I still think the the fit is weird. I think that Gobert and Cat on the floor at the same time uh, really messes Anthony Edwards up. And right now Anthony Edwards is still recovering from his injury. Uh, so he's like he, I so he's like coming back, but he's not had a dominant performance since coming back. But and so it's hard to know if that's the injury or if that's the the Cat Gobert weird lineups that he's dealing with again. Um, you know, and so I I just I think for that I do think that it's going to be uh, that they've shown that they're just a weird matchup for us and that it, it makes for a long series, which is one of the main reasons why I don't want to play them because I feel like it, it will – like, and they have the confidence knowing, hey, we beat them at their place last year, and I don't like that either. So so for all of those reasons. So, But, uh, yeah. but un- unlike – I mean, so you'll be no surprise. Uh, they're my number one team I don't want to face, but I still give us like a 90% chance of beating them. <laughs> yeah, amazing. So that's my just general take about all these teams. So – for me, the number one is because I think it'll be a longer, more intense series, and there's a little more fear for me than a lot of the other teams. So, like the yeah. fear. So for T Wolves, I fear, uh, I fear the Warriors less in that way. My fear with the Warriors is if, for some reason, they actually beat us, the, the ramifications of that, uh, and that's my fear with unbearable. T Wolves, but for the T Wolves, I get you know, uh, I feel like we're gonna win. It just will be an annoying series. Yeah. I, I, I think that there's there's just like the whole story of the Western Conference right now where there's just so many different variables that one that people are throwing in here. Uh, like I sort of feel like that them trying to integrate Cat in a playoff series could work against them. Like I, I'm, I almost – I'm a, right now sort of uh, – that's a positive for the Grizzlies I feel like because – you know, he, he hasn't been with this team on this run. I mean, he's sort of coming back a little bit towards the tail end of it, but they were figuring some stuff out without him. And, and he's not the easiest person to integrate into their lineups from a, from a on court, uh, you know, performance perspective, mainly just how he reacts to people. Um, and, and even just his awareness on the court, um, you know, we saw some just absolutely dumbfoundingly stupid stuff that he would do against us, and we were very grateful for him and D'Lo. Um, I, I do just think that there is a level of 
maturity that they have added and surrounded to Anthony Edwards that I think that is, you know, I'm just going to say mad respect to it, you know? Like, I think it's – we're also, like, not mentioning some of their other role players like Nas Reed and things like that that I think – Nas he, Reed's a baller. Yeah, I mean, in, I, actually, I actually think he, I fear the, the Kyle Anderson-Nas Reed front court more than the Cat Gobert one. That's right. And so I just think that, like, if Edwards' ankle is able to get, you know, you know somewhat healthy and, and the guy's a gamer, he's built to, to be strong enough to perform – um, you know, it's just going to pose some interesting things for us. I was actually looking up, though, the, the rest of their schedule is this. They play at home against the Lakers. Um, then, they, then they're at home, at home against the Blazers. Then they go to Brooklyn. Then they go to San Antonio. And then they close the season at home against the Pelicans. And you juxtapose that with the, with the Warriors, who are one game up on them. The Warriors tomorrow are at home against the Spurs. Then the Warriors go to the Nuggets. Then the Warriors are at home against the Thunder, at Kings, home against the Blazers. So there's 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 a chance that the Wolves um, catch uh, the Warriors kind of on that stretch, just doing some quick middle math. I mean, it could be tough. Um, and then all of a sudden we are sort of sitting there with, um, you know, a, a Golden State L.A. play-in game. How much would the NBA love that scenario? Oh, yeah. um, that would be – uh, crazy um, to then um, for the chance to play the Grizzlies in the first round, and you you would have to uh, expect Golden State to potentially come out victorious in that scenario. Um, is there anything else on this, guys, that y'all want to touch on before we, we close um, the episode? Yeah, I mean that's and I think that I mean I'm sort of hoping we get an LA LA play in game that the Clippers can sometime somehow drop the seven for that reason, but. Um... You know, but that's the one thing that I wanted is, to mention really quick. Um, yeah. Sorry, Kraft, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to list the Clippers' remaining schedule because I think it's noteworthy. Um, they play us tomorrow, obviously, back-to-back at New Orleans after that. So they go Friday, Saturday, um, and New Orleans is clearly doing all they can to win. Um, then they play the Lakers, um, technically home game for the Clippers, but we all know how that really goes. Then they also play Portland at home, and then they finish at Phoenix, which I'm sure Phoenix will probably try to be winning too. So they got us, New Orleans, the Lakers, and Phoenix uh, for their last five. Like, is it completely out of the question that they lose all of those games? No, right? Um, like, that probably won't happen. They'll probably at least go like two and three in their last five or maybe even three and two. But I don't know. It's It wouldn't shock me if we look up in the clips or in the, in the seven. Um I can see it happening. Yeah. yeah. And one thing about the T-Wolves, I think that's also, and I think it's not a shocker uh, because I don't think I j- it just popped in my mind now. But, I mean, one of the things about T-Wolves is they are entering having Cat come back. But they're one of the few teams where it's like, oh, they have their team. Like everybody else on yeah. our list has a big question mark, you know, with Zion and with Paul George and with Wiggins. And so I do think that, it's not surprising that T-Wolves would be first on our list because we kind of know them. Like, there is no possibility. Like, they're going to have – it looks like their full team. Uh, and so, you know, yeah. that's one of why I think they're also a little dangerous. Well, before we end uh, this episode, we normally lead things by talking about this player because uh, he is our superstar. And I, I feel like we need to give a little bit – of discussion towards Ja, um, you know, we've mentioned him sort of briefly in, in various weekend pods, um, but we, 
I mean, we, we have seen him play four games. Um, he's come back and looked, uh, you know, I know he's getting his legs underneath him, but he, he's looked fantastic. I know there has been, I would say, just being in person at random times, it has seemed a little, I would say, hesitant more on the personal end, but I just think he's maybe being a little bit more controlled. Kraft, from a, from a game perspective, and um, just watching, you know, whether being in person or watching on TV, is there anything about these four games that we've learned about Ja and what we should expect him uh, to perform like in the playoff in the playoffs coming up? Um, should should our expectations change at all, or, or should they be exactly what they were prior to uh, the, the the break that he took? Yeah, I mean, I I. I mean, I feel like my expectations. I mean, whether we have put expectations or not, I mean, he, his, uh, his rankings, his legacy, all these things are gonna are gonna be taken majorly into account. Um, you know, one of my favorite podcasts, the greatest uh, of all talk podcast, is hosted by Ben Gulliver, and he actually read a thing saying that he actually thinks uh, that Jaw has just as much pressure on him these playoffs as Jokic and Durant. Because of sort of the off-court stuff, because of the fine in the West comments, because of that stuff. So I do think there is a lot of pressure on him. And But I do think – I agree with you. I feel like other than him being a little winded, uh, I do feel like he is back to normal jaw. The one like little thing is I feel like he's been a little short on a lot of his three-pointers. I do think that's kind of, again, getting back into shape. And I'm hoping that the layoff in between um, – the last game of the season and the play-in games, we're going to get a little like mini all-star break, four or five games, I mean four or five days there. I'm hoping he just is in the gym working on his three-point shot because you can tell certain teams are just going under it like crazy. I mean, uh, you know, it didn't, it didn't, you know, keep us from beating Atlanta, but they were definitely like going to let him shoot as many threes as possible. The Clippers did that a little bit too. So that's the yeah. one thing that I am that he was shooting it so well early in the season, and and it's kind of slipped a little bit. So I'm hoping once he get his legs under him and he starts shooting that with confidence. But as far as the athleticism, the playmaking, the rim finishing, unbelievable. I mean, yeah. watch that Hawks game. I mean, there was some move, there, he, some of his best moves he's had. Just being a Grizzly, he was pulling those out. And so, um, you know, even that, you know, that, that end of the half uh, yesterday with from the pass from Kennard, of all people, being the playmaker, uh, you know, it's just unbelievable how athletic he is. And, um, so I feel like he's almost back. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, again, we mentioned that he had 36 points last night, uh, had 27 against Atlanta. He took off against Orlando and, and that front half of the back-to-back. Um, you know, he's, he definitely has had the offensive production. The, the three-point shot, to your point, has been the thing that has seemed noticeably um, off, and, and, and maybe he feels a little out of rhythm with it even, dare I say. Like, it just does seem like he's he's not looking to take that shot as fast as maybe he once was from a confidence perspective. And not that we have to have him um, hitting that shot, but we, we do need him just to continue to be a threat. Uh, he's going to get his points um, as needed. And his free throws were looking looking great, which was, which yeah, was good to see. Cool. I think that's been a – you know, a thing of his in the past where he struggled from the free throw line. Last night he went 12 of 12 um, against Atlanta. He went nine of 11. So he's he's getting to the line. He's hitting them at a high percentage rate, which you you, you love to see because that wasn't something that wasn't the the story and the data points early in the season with him. And so um, that's been a really good thing for sure. So I, I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm um, 
I'm expecting him to, to, to be our superstar and also to maybe have seen, you know, um, hopefully while paying attention to it or just listening to the team, you know, what, what sort of happened while he was out, what benefit did we get from that while he was out with other players um, in terms of like Bain and Jaron being more aggressive um, and, uh, and, and even like integrating Luke Kennard in a way that, that hopefully – you know, those guys can all mesh well um, uh, when we move into the first round. So um, I guess for, for Ty and Kraft, um, we'll, we'll go ahead and end it there. There's going to be a lot more playoff discussion uh, as we as we close out this season. It's been a great season. Your, your Grizzlies are the number two seed in the Western Conference. It, we're hopeful that that's where they will end. Um, and, you know, it's going to quickly, depending on who we end up with um, in that seven spot, uh, we'll move right into playoff rotation type discussions. Who do we expect to see? How would we sort of expect um, to see some of those games play out? Um, and also look for more news, potentially maybe even a live pod uh, pre-playoff uh, to get all of your Grizz content rolling. So for Ty, for Kraft, and for Will, who's not here, shout out. Appreciate you guys, and we'll talk to you soon.